This is the Sell My Business in 10 Weeks.com podcast with Trevor Monaghan and Clive Jones. In this series, we will make fun of each other and share some of our self proclaimed wisdom about understanding what your business is worth now, how to make it worth more, and how to get it ready for sale. Welcome back to another episode of Sell My Business in 10 Weeks.com, the podcast show all about getting business ready for sale and trying to work out what this thing's worth and how to make it worth more. Yes, welcome back. And uh, Trevor, today, should we talk about uh, some of those problems that uh, mistakes that we find people make in uh, coming and looking at the value of their business? I think we should because you and I just had a conversation. I'm frustrated as hell at the moment. Um, if you follow what we do, I, I do a lot of business valuations um, and I'm getting so frustrated when, I, when I'm working for a buyer and... You know, we, we ask the current owner for some information. So how this has probably worked is the buyer has found out through the grapevine by either knowing this seller or by going through a broker and finding it for list you know, list of for sale. And, the, you know, we get to the point where they've got some interest. I get contacted saying, Trevor, can you give me an independent valuation? And then I basically go and ask lots of questions and get some information from the owner. And the whole idea is that I'm going to come back to the, the buyer or the potential buyer and say, this is what I think it's worth and why. Um, and... And that's where the frustrating stuff comes in, is that you would think, Clive, if you were a seller um, and you know that you know I'm probably someone you've got to impress because you know that I am going to have a fair, you know, fair say in, in you know, at least giving some what you pay for it, some information about what the buyer's, you know, the buyer's going to make a decision, hopefully based on the information I give him and the conversations we have. You would think that you would go out of your way to paint a fairly rosy picture of the business. Certainly would, but also, um, as as the seller of a business, I'd like to think that I'd done some kind of preparation and make it look a, a pretty darn good business to uh, be appealing to someone and be be ready, yeah, plan in other words. So you know, if we go back to valuation theory from the from the previous episodes, and you haven't listened to all the episodes before, it's probably a good idea to go back and listen to the first two or three in sequence. Uh, where we go into a bit, bit of depth about how to value business, but we're basically looking at what do we think the recurring profit's going to be once the current owner's out and the new owner's in, and we're adjusting artificial things out of their current profits and factoring in extra expenses if they're not paying for them now. And that's only one part of it. And the next part is we're trying to then get some comfort around what kind of return do we want to earn that hypothetical income. And obviously, the higher the risks, uh, the more return that we'd want. And... You know, the more return that we want, the less we pay for any given given level of profit. So, as a seller, your job is to convince me a that the profitability is there. So, you're going to need to show me some figures. I'm going to need to have to believe those figures. So they need to look reliable and they need to, you know, make sense to me. And secondly, you need to convince me or persuade me that there's less risk in this business than you know the average business in your, in your industry. So again, in previous podcasts, we've talked about what that means. What that means, you know, what? How do you show someone that there's less risk? But you know, for Clive, your point of view, someone comes to you and says, "I want to do risk." You know, what does that immediately make you think about? We're making sure that there's um, all, all the all the bases are covered, the checklists are done, the, the plans are there, your records are up to date. And the number one thing is, you know, how many businesses don't have really good uh, financials reconciled up to date for the last two or three years that actually back up what they're claiming the business 
is going to do going forward for the business for the potential buyer. And what what I'm saying is that uh, people are treating the valuer like sort of like their end of year tax agent. And uh, anyone in small business or, or your accountants out there listening, you know what I mean. When you know you, you gather all the information the best you can, you don't really look at it or care about it. You just hand it over, knowing that you know your tax agent's going to look after it. That's their job. But it's not like that with the value. We're not working for you. We're we're trying to gather evidence, and we're using that evidence, you know, for you or against you, based on how it sits, how it sits with us, mm-hmm. in terms of comfort as well. So it's not the case of just gather the information, hand it over. There is a structured way you should be handing it over, and definitely. You know, giving us figures that don't, you know, giving us a balance sheet that doesn't balance, giving us, um, you know, income and expenses that are up and down with no explanation about why that could possibly be. Or um, it is, it's, it's one of the biggest sales you're going to make um, when you come to sell your business. So you need to have everything that sort of builds the value in the business presented properly. So um, let, let me just quickly go through. So I've just pulled up a report here, one I was just showing Clive that I, I did um, a couple of weeks ago, and it's a retail business that basically does um, health supplements. I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to identify who it is. But basically, this business was for sale. Um, I'd been approached by a potential buyer of this business as an independent party saying, Trevor, can you tell me what I should pay for this, if anything? And so the process begins, I engage that person, they pay me money, I then go and talk to the owner and uh, give him a list of things that I need. So imagine part of that is I say, you know, I need your financial reports for the last three to five years, I need your tax returns, I need, you know, your current bookkeeping records. And I ask lots and lots of qualitative questions about how they run the business, just the same as if I was going to buy his business, I'd want to know how it works, you know, what systems are in place, how, you know, what kind of marketing do you do, who are your staff, how do you pay them, all those kind of things. So it's really up to then, up to the owner to be able to provide that information to me in a, in a way that I can easily understand it. And I like to explain it like it's a slippery slope. You just, you want to basically, when you're handing information over as, as the owner to a potential seller, uh, to a potential buyer or their value, you want it to be a slippery slope that they, the more they look at that information, the, you know, the, they just kept sliding down the slope towards the sale. Pick up um, speed as they go. Pick up speed as they go along and there's nothing really, you know, again, you don't lie because those lies get found out, but you're, you're painting a picture and, and, you know, very clearly explaining all the relevant things that make the business worth something. And if there are risks, explaining how those risks are mitigated, just being totally upfront. So in this case here, so I've, you know, I've gone through the process and the, 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 the owner was quite happy to provide me with the information because he did want to sell the business. That was, all, you know, after all, what he's, what he's doing here. Um, so the signs were good initially. Uh, it didn't take him too long to provide the information to me, but I'm just going through a list here of things that I identified in the report that I didn't like so much about the business. And this is one of the key things I do differently to most valuers is that I don't just say, here's the value. I'll actually go in and, and list out the things I don't like about the business, even if I'm doing it for the current owner themselves. Um, sometimes they, they're not quite happy about me picking apart their business like that, but that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's my job. And I'll go quickly just through some of the things I identified in this one. Um, the first thing was that they gave me um, a QuickBooks file, which is just an internal bookkeeping file, um, which hadn't been reconciled for months. So what that means is that um, straight away I knew they weren't very well organized from a, from a reporting point of view. So, so what does that tell me? That tells me they don't keep their records up to date. They probably don't look at their own records. They probably don't really know how the business is going on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really um, pay attention to the financial aspects of the business. 
So it's telling me a lot about how the business has got to where it is and how it's being run at the moment. And it probably, it also tells me they don't have much respect for the whole process. The no. fact that I, you know, your, your job as an owner is to try to persuade me working for the buyer that this is a good thing to buy and you don't have, you know, from my point of view, I feel frustrated when I get that. It's also showing that there's potentially a whole stack of cracks in the information that are there anyway. Yeah. So the other thing with that, that, um, that bookkeeping is that the annual accounts that the accountant had done at the end of the last financial year weren't ever adjusted back into the current bookkeeping file. So, for example, I was given you know, a balance sheet out of the QuickBooks uh, records that did not balance, balance back to the, the official records. So straight away, you know, any, anyone out there that's got an accounting background knows that when you find some things that materially, you know, are wrong or can't be relied on, then you pretty much can't rely on anything within the book. So the first thing was, okay, I'm going to use these figures, um, you know, to try to come up with a valuation, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, the value is going to be a lot less because when I come to the risk point of view, you know, there's a lot of risk because the figures themselves could be wrong. There's a lot of doubt in your mind, isn't there? There's a hell of a lot of doubt. And that's, yeah. at the end of the day, I, I want to be on a slippery slope. I want to just be yeah. sitting there, you know, reading the questionnaire, going through the figures, just nodding, going, yep, 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 this looks like one mm. to buy, this looks like a good one. Yeah. Um, and your job as a seller uh, or getting ready for sale is to think about, you know, and this might be something you do, you know, ideally a year or two at least before you sell, is think about like, when I get to the point in a valuer, or a buyer themselves ask me for information, am I gonna be in a position to give them the information they don't cringe about? In this case, not. Um, and I would say, I'm not just speaking on this business, it's at least at least 50% of businesses that I value are you know, are typical of this. They're not prepared, and, and yeah, in, in my business coaching, the same thing. You know, people uh, be trying to run their business without a plan until I come on board, um, and they, they wing it, and this, no, nobody's ever thought about um, the exit strategy for their business, so it it doesn't even sort of come on the radar, and then all of a sudden, yeah, and I've had the inquiries myself. Yeah, okay, Clive. Yeah, let's let's sell this business. I, I need to I need to get out, or I want to bring an investor in, and I need all the records. What's it worth? I said, well, there's there's a heap of work to do before you get to that point. So, um, yeah. We, we really need to start now so that we're prepared for this sort of point and we can get the maximum value at the time when it's important It's, to it's us. just classic, it's classic marketing and sales. If you're marketing or selling a product, you have to put your shoe, yourself in the shoes of someone that's going to be buying it, potentially, and thinking, what, what do they value? What do they, you know, what do they want? What's going to make a dream, dream come true? Features and benefits. Yeah, and exactly. And how do you get all the roadblocks mm. out of the way so that... Mm. If they sort of need or want what you've got, yeah. they get it. And I think, you know, people like me, we're the gatekeepers. Mm. We're, the, we're the, the, in some cases, the last point. We're going to be the ones coming up with the objections. That's right. So, you've, you know, at the end of the day, if you're selling a decent business, you will hopefully have decent advisors in the process. And the buyer, you know, if the buyer's going to write you checks, you know, for at least $100,000 plus, they're going to spend a fair bit of money on advice. And at the end of the day, I've got to, be, I've got to protect myself. If someone's spending thousand dollars with me to give advice on a business, I have to be ruthless hmm. because my insurer wouldn't like it if I wasn't. Trust me. Okay, so, so the next big thing was you know, no business plan, strategic plan, operational plan, or marketing plan. Now, it's not just they didn't have the plans. When I ask the questions about, you know, because I always say you know attach your business plan, attach your strategic plan. 
the answers that I got were were NA or not relevant. <laughs> um, which, you know, it's sort of, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. Um, you know, we keep training people over and over. You've got to have a plan, you've got to have a vision, and not only just in your own head, you've got to be able to show it to people, even if you're not selling. Hmm. It would just make such a big difference. And, you know, for this owner to basically almost brag, you know, that's why I read it, and it may, may not be what he meant, and, but and that's a perception. It's just a, another indication that they're flying by the seat of their pants, they're winging it as they go. And that sort of moves on to the next thing that is always missing is any kind of procedure manuals, checklists, you know. It's all down to whether you've got good people actually in the business at the moment that have got how they do it in their heads and okay so what happens when somebody else takes over does that go with the uh, the business owner or yeah so in this one there's a double whammy because he said he's got no procedure manuals there's no handbooks no checklists nothing not a single thing in place to show someone what to do and in the very next point he then almost brags that his staff what he calls reactive and pretty much saying they don't do what they're told and they're badly motivated. Um, so why, 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 why would somebody be telling the valuer that, you know, the staff don't do what they're told and at the same time, you know, bragging, almost bragging, there's no systems in place? You know, what's he, I just, you just try to, I just don't understand what he's trying to achieve, you know, by, by answering the questions that way. So he's basically come out, you know, when you read between the lines, he's basically said, this is a really good business, um, but there are no systems in place to make sure it runs well, and the people that are here now are hopeless. Maybe yeah. he's trying to say there's a really big upside if you buy it now. You know, which is, which is always part of the strategy, is to show there is, you know, you want to make sure, you want to make the buyer feel like there's a lot of room to move. Mm. Like once they get in, they're going to, you, know, you sort of almost want the buyer to you know and I've seen this I've seen this work well sometimes it's not definitely you're not it's not the first strategy you'd, you'd think about but you can sort of you want the buyer to be laughing at you how bad you run a business and you want their ego to take over and then basically buy your business so they can show you how much better they are mm-hmm. but that's that's all well and good but are they going to reward you by writing you a check for that is there is there is there way of actually uh, cutting down the price they're going to pay? Isn't it, it? Well, exactly. So it's, you might still sell your business, mm. but you know, especially if they've got advice around them. You know, if mm. they've got good advisors, they're not going to be writing much of a check. Put it that way. So you know, it depends what you're trying to achieve. If you're, if you're trying to sell the business at, at any any price, well, you might you might get someone to take it off your hands yeah. from an ego point of view. But you're not going to get a big check for that. Um, now, one of the things identified in his figures was his, his his revenue was dropping a little bit, not a lot, you know, but there was a, there was a steady decline in it. Um, and he he basically came out and, and told me that his wholesale business, so he he was actually selling these supplements to you know retail over the counter and also to other retailers as wholesale. And he's told me that his monthly wholesale business has dropped um, from about seventy five thousand dollars per month down to about twenty thousand dollars per month. You know, and again, so from a risk point of view, I love seeing wholesale business because it's you know B two B is often more sustainable. You can you can put more energy and, and money into creating and keeping relationships. Um, you obviously sell more product from a volume point of view to a wholesale customer than you do a retail typically. Um, you know, and then you you're you're accessing all those re- all their retail customers effectively without even have to know them or market to them. So there's so many reasons why. You know, you you want your wholesale revenue to be increasing, and he's basically come out and said that the wholesale has dropped quite significantly. Again, probably sabotaging it, so the owner feels you know 
goes on an ego trip and buys it because of the improvements he can make. But still... Um, Got to ask that question, why though? Yeah, so when you dig down, you start looking at it and you start getting answers that it's because the staff don't, you know, manage relationships properly. So again, coming back to blaming the staff, nothing here seems to be this guy's fault. Um, he's mm. not taking any accountability. No. Um, if he had told me, you know, very early on in the questionnaire, look, hey, I haven't run it very well. I've been planning to do these things, um, but I haven't done them. You know, here's how I would go about doing them. You know, you know, I'm not very good at running the business. I've been distracted by X, Y, Z. If he had told me that, then I could work within that framework. The fact that he's basically come out and basically blaming everyone on, on earth, obviously blaming the economy like everyone's doing at the moment. Um, I'm just not becoming fond of this business. Mm. It's not... It's not um, it know. doesn't paint a very nice picture, does it? And he's got no agreements either. That's another thing you find. He's got no... no you know, so he's got... agreements, contracts customer agreements in one hand he says he's got exclusive supply for one particular brand of, of supplement but at the same time when you ask for a written agreement you can't produce one because there is no written agreement so you know what is this exclusive supply or not uh, from further investigations um, from the owner themselves they actually found that other retailers were selling that same same stuff whether that was they're doing it legitimately or not hard to say but the reality is that there wasn't exclusive um, the, the end result is the other was others were selling it, so it's not a real value proposition to hang your hat on. Um, and he'd done, you know, he's doing some other things with the business, like he's making a you know, making some diversifications into some fairly random industries as well on the same premises that are yet to prove themselves, yet to monetize, and you know, just big plans. So again, like most people, they're telling you about their plans, but you know, everyone's got plans. Yeah. And again, he's painting the picture of flying by the seat of the pants. You know, so this is, you know, we're not going to keep going on and on about this, but they're just some of the things that, you know, obvious from the very, you know, from the very first look that I have at this business, I'm, you know, it's not impressing me. Um, the figures looked okay. And to give you an idea, the valuation still did come at just, just south of $300,000. Um, you know, the multiplier for this one, for those of you, um, you know, keeping records and like to know multipliers and that, we still come up with a multiplier of 2.71, um, which is a required rate of return of 36.9%. But, you know, there were a lot of things within the, that risk profile that did punish him. He could have quite easily got a multiplier of, you know, potentially up to 4%, mm. oh, sorry, four times, four times. Yeah. if um, he had, have, uh, you know, prepared his business a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so, in theory, his, his business could have been at least one and a half times more viable, even given on the same level of profitability. Mm. And it's just preparation. That's a lot of money to throw away, isn't it? If you, you know, do one or two of these simple things. No, so the moral of the story is I'm only, okay, so that's, I, I put my opinion in writing. I tell the buyer, here's all the things I like, here's all the things I don't like, here's the value. And it's still, that doesn't necessarily mean that, the, you know, this Grinch here, me, is going to make the final decision. I don't. I just provide that, that advice to the buyer, and it's up to him whether, you know, he thinks that those risks are as, you know, critical as I think. And it's up to him to do his, his investigations from that point on mm-hmm. and come back to me and, and you know ask any questions. But that just gives you an idea of the frustration that you know uh, the advisors on the other side can go through that is totally unavoidable and it's going to cost you money if you don't do something proactively. In, in that case, yeah, two or three hundred thousand. Potentially. So if you think about it, if you had just got some checklists in place, you know all these verbal deals we would have around town if you just you know document your accounts them, are up to date and put your accounts up to date get a decent bookkeeper in even if you've got to spend you know double a per hour to get a good bookkeeper just do it get things up to date and be ready it's worth it in the long run 
and be ready for the day when someone says, give me that information, you, yeah. you can hand it over with a smile on your face and, and nothing to hide. That's right. So I think that that's enough for my whinge for this, this week. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up here. Um, like usual, go back and listen to the previous podcast if you haven't. Um, if you want advanced notifications of the next podcast coming out, go to sellmybusinessin10weeks.com. On the right-hand side there, you can see you can just chuck your email address in. We don't hit you with spam. We only tell you things that are happening. You can always unsubscribe at any point. It doesn't cost you anything. And if you're looking at selling your business seriously, we do have a really cheap information memorandum template that you can download. Um, there's a free video there in the information memorandum section. Um, and you know we're getting some traction on it at the moment. People are finding that it's it's doing one of two things. It's, it's obviously giving them a document they can hand to somebody when they're ready, but it's also... Um, giving them a bit of a roadmap of the kind of things that just have to be thought about and sorted out and before if, they sell. If you've got any questions on any particular aspect of preparing your business for sale, yeah, let us know and uh, we'll see if we can talk about it in, sometime then in the future. It's been fun. So what we're going to do on, on next pod, next few podcasts, we're going to continue to talk about some real-life examples of what we're going through on a daily basis. And remember, this podcast is not just for business owners. It's also for other advisors and, and business brokers and accountants. Yep that don't do this kind of stuff all the time and just want to sort of keep in touch with what's happening at the coalface. And at the same time, if there's anything particular that you want to learn about that you think we might know something about, we don't know everything, we don't profess to know everything, but we do roll our sleeves up and do this kind of stuff on a daily basis. So we do, you know, learn some stuff as we go, maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> always uh, learning, always learning. Always learning, but, you know, shoot us an email. Details are on the site, sellmybusiness10weeks.com. Until next time. See you, Nara. Thanks for listening to the SellMyBusinessIn10Weeks.com podcast. And just remember, the advice is only generally nature. But if you are serious about selling your business, you should check out the resources page of our website where we've got videos and templates to create an awesome pitch document for your business, which you will need if you're selling. And don't forget to subscribe on our website for advanced notification and bonus materials.